En JCPenney celebramos Black Friday en julio. Sí, en julio. De jueves a domingo aprovecha miles de artículos en oferta, como selección de ropa Exertion para todos desde $7.99 y selección de shorts para jovencitas desde $16.99. Además, toallas Home Expressions a $4.99 y ahorra 25% extra con tu cupón. También tenemos servicio de entrega a tu auto sin contacto. Aprovecha estos ahorros que están que arden. JCPenney. Ofertas válidas del 23 al 26 de julio. Aplican exclusiones. Detalles en la tienda o jcp.com. Namaste, everyone. Welcome to another episode of Maya, My Ambition, Your Ambition. This is episode eight, which, again, I have to say and, and totally take ownership because, you know, part of what we do in the show is about ownership. I was supposed to do this yesterday, this episode, because I did a Maya reflection on a combo of episodes six and seven, and I was planning on doing episode eight yesterday. And I've got some really kind of distressing news that took me off my square Um, the loss of someone that was something that was very close to me and I was very disappointed to hear about it and it had been something that had been building for a while. So the outcome of it was something I didn't expect. So it kind of really drained my energy yesterday. Me, energy is everything about this show. And so I decided to not do it yesterday and to do it today instead. Normally I'll be live every Thursday at eight o'clock. But like I said, mentally, I wasn't in the right emotional mental space to do the show. So didn't do it. So here I am today. Um, remember, the shows are only about 30, 35 minutes, maybe 40. Um, I try to keep them short and sweet and get to the point. So of course, if you've been following all the other episodes, you can always find um, former episodes at mayakai.com. Or of course, if you happen to be, you know, a person who has your own podcast platform you prefer, you can always find me on iTunes, Google, and iHeartRadio platforms as well for podcasting to search Maya, My Ambition, Your Ambition, and voila, There I am. So as I always say, as we start these, you know, it's really about us working towards that best version of yourself, moving from being okay with good and going right into becoming great. That's part of what we talked about in episode seven and even in the Maya reflection six and seven really said, you know what, now we're talking about really doing the heavy lifting and hard work to become the kind of person that we really seek to be. I said, we don't talk about mental health. It's about mental wellness because mental wellness impacts every aspect of your life. We spent a lot of time in this personal relationship realm because the relationship you have with you is going to impact every other relationship in your life. We talked about that private relationship realm, that professional and the pervasive. You being the best version of yourself, or at least being consistently the best version of yourself, is going to help you be successful financially. It's going to help you be successful physically. It's going to help you be successful, obviously, emotionally and mentally. It's all tied together. And that's really, really key. <laughs> oh, James O'Bannon, I think, are you, are you checking me on my time? You know, here's the thing. If the conference conversation gets going and it's flowing. Okay, maybe, maybe I'll go over 45, 50 minutes, but I, I try not to do that when I can. All right. So back on my scores. Remember I said, when we're doing my episodes, um, be sure to find a place where it's quiet for you, where you can focus, even maybe grab a pencil and pen. I may say something brilliant and you might want to write it down, reflect on it a little bit later. Um, grab your beverage of choice. It's Friday and it's definitely happy hour somewhere. And today is national tequila day. Not that I'm encouraging you to drink. But feel free to have some coffee, tea, beer, wine, tequila, whatever you like. Um, for me, I'm in love with my soda stream. So everything is soda stream for me. So that's my choice. Water, that's obviously a little kicked up a notch. So do that and let's jump right into episode eight, which is that missing puzzle piece. I intentionally left this conversation kind of last 
because it's probably the one that everyone's going to connect and understand the best. When I talked about attachment styles, that could be a little uncomfortable for people because talking about your upbringing and how it really impacted your life for some people takes them off their square. And some people feel like I've moved past that. So it's not being Freudian on me and making me feel like that impacted me. It did, whether you want to accept it or not. Now, what you've done with that piece of information either with me or finding it out early in life is totally incumbent upon you. Communication styles were another key thing because we often fail to realize how we choose to interact and communicate with people impacts all the outcomes in our lives, whether it's verbal or nonverbal. Your language of love. Those are things that most people never considered, but if you often have some dysfunctional relationships, it may all come down to not understanding your very own language of love or those others in your life, what they need. So all those episodes were laying down the foundation to get to this one that's really interesting. Personality traits. And boy, are they something that impacts every realm from that private, professional, and pervasive. Um, there's definitely terms within relationship realms that you've heard of before. Um, there's four key dimensions. Um, there is introversion version versus extroversion, which you've heard like that person's very extroverted, outgoing. We'll talk about it more. Um, sensing versus intuition. Maybe the word sensing is not something you've heard, but the int int intuitive or intuition, you probably have heard that descriptor with people thinking versus feeling. Definitely have heard people mention that was clearly a decision that was way about feeling and not about thinking. And then judging versus perceiving. These are all things that are innate in all of us that we really have dimensions. We have, we pull from each one of these dimensions. So without getting too, um, you know, psychology, mental health on you, can't help it because some of this stuff is, is where it comes from, obviously, is personality testing is um, something that was designed back in the 1960s. It's based beyond Carl, Carl Jung and his, his theory about personality and development. And it was actually a mother-daughter team in Isabel Briggs Meyer and her mother, Kathleen. They came up with this in 1960. And they came up with these four domains that I talked about in determining how we interact with other people. So it's interesting because you can take a personality test. I've done it. And actually, I've come always back with one or two. There's 16 personality trait types. And I always come back as one or the other. And, and they always pretty much lead with the same type of, of personality testing, kind of how I'm set up. And I'll explain that in a bit. Um, remember, for every podcast I do, if you go to mayakai.com, you can go to the podcast resource section, and there's companion resources for every episode. So if you decide you want to take the personality test, there's a link that you can take. It's roughly about 130 questions. Honestly, it takes you maybe 15, 20 minutes to do. They're really simple questions, and it gives you three choices for each question. And based on how you answer, it's going to tell you where you fall into these four different dimensions. Personality testing will really help you to understand how you interact with people and why you make the choices that you make. Why you may seem standoffish at times, why you may seem very direct at times, why you may feel like you're the person that always has to fix things for other people, but you don't fix it for yourself. It's a personality trait. It's something that's innate in you. And what's interesting about the personality testing is that no matter how many times you take it, the way that the questions are designed, it's really hard for you to get away from you. When I've done personality testing with people like in a group setting, just as an exercise, people are often are very resistant in some of the answers they get. They're like, I don't agree with this. I said, of course you don't. Self-discovery is always hard. And what's the three things that as we work towards getting to that better version of ourselves, moving away from good and getting to great, what are the three things that we're supposed to be keeping in our toolbox? One, we're working towards great, not good. 
we also want to harness objectivity. When you're taking that personality test, when you get your results, objectivity is huge. Step back and say, okay, I did answer the questions. And then people want to go back and retake it and change their answers because they don't, they think you'll, they can manipulate it enough and get a different outcome. And chances are you won't because the way the questions are designed. And the third thing that we want to always keep in our toolbox is being comfortable with the idea of forfeiting comfort, control, and convenience. These are all things as you're really doing self-discovery and self-evaluation that to do the heavy lifting to get to where you're trying to be, whether it's an emotionally better person, immensely more stable person, whether it's a financially better person, or if physically you struggle with certain things like weight goals or health issues because maybe you don't have proper follow-through on things. It's all about how you focus. When I borrowed this saying from someone because he said it and I love it. I'm always grabbing somebody's key sayings. Your energy follows your focus. Flat line, bottom line, it comes to this. Whatever you've dialed your, your, your effort and you know, you, you've, you're focused on something, that's exactly where you're going to put your energy. So if you decided that you want to lose weight, but you're like, I always fail at it and it's really hard, your focus is already set on being a failure not on how to be successful. And all your energy is gonna be fighting, I'm trying to be successful, I'm trying to be successful, but in the back of your mind, you've already told yourself you're a failure because your energy follows your focus. Just remember that in everything that you do, I don't care how simple the task, when you put it in the right frame of mind, how you direct yourself will go accordingly. So remember that, that can be your one takeaway from this particular episode, is that your energy follows your focus. So, Thank you for everyone for tuning in and I love your comments. I like that you're weighing in. Thank you, Reba, good to see you. Um, personality traits, let's jump into, and someone already said, I'm an introvert. Thank you, Ricky Adams for sharing. So maybe you've taken a personality test or do you just think you're introverted because of what your behavior dictates to you? Because I will tell you that I'm introverted and extroverted depending on the situation. Different situations and different people tend to elicit different things from us. So there's those four key dimensions. Let's let's break down each dimension and you can kind of say, okay, I think I'm more this than that. And you do tend to be one more than the other. I do believe that I am more introverted than I am extroverted, but I do have a part of me that can be extroverted. So let's jump into that, that first dimension that's talked about. Introversion versus extroversion. Um, one, before I describe it to you, Tell me what you think you are. Do you feel you're extroverted? Um, you're outgoing. You're kind of the life of the party. You can jump into different situations and feel comfortable. Or are you a bit more reserved and you kind of struggle with engaging or interacting with people? It's interesting because in personality um, typing and taking the test, this is the lead dimension. So the test is going to determine if you are more introverted or extroverted and then everything else scores accordingly. It's kind of interesting. So this is one of those really important dimensions. So an extrovert is someone who's described as they're driven by energy. So they're energized by people. They enjoy a um, variety of tasks. So they don't like the mundane. They don't often like too much routine. Um, they like when things are quick paced um, and they're often good at multitasking. So they seek that kind of energy out. Um, on the flip side, someone who is more extroverted is someone, I'm sorry, introverted, is someone who kind of prefers to work alone. Um, they're not a big people person, so to speak. Doesn't mean they don't like people. It's just that they kind of like smaller groups. Um, they prefer 
more deliberate, a more kind of deliberate pace. They don't like things fast paced. They like for things to have more of a rhythm that has a flow to it that they can kind of get more in tuned with. Um, and they like to really focus on one task at a time. So they're not that person that likes to juggle things. They're like, nope, give me this to do. I'm good. Give me that to do. I'm good. Now think about yourself at work. What would you say you thrive in? I tell people this is crazy. Even though I told you I really feel that I am really more of an introvert, <laughs> I am I'm a multitasker. That's the crazy thing. Um, and I do like when things are paced simple, but here's what's interesting. I thrive in chaos. I'm the person that if someone pulls a fire alarm, I don't freak out. I'm like, okay, the alarm went off. Is this a test or is this real? And then I start processing things like, okay, we got to do this. We have to do that. So under pressure, I thrive. I don't, I don't pull back within myself and I don't get nervous. So I, I'm not uncomfortable with assuming roles of responsibility or taking charge of things, which generally speaking is not so much of an introverted trait. But oddly enough, I kind of like smaller groups. And even though I have no problem being in large groups of people, that's why I said I'm a little bit of both. But I do understand from what I feel is my lead personality trait, I'm a bit more introverted. But at the same time, situations, circumstances, and people will often influence what parts of you are tapped into because you do not live in a silo. And if you do, then you might be very introverted if you just avoid. So remember, people that are extroverts, they seek energy. They love energy. On the flip side, people who are more introverted, they like more working alone. They like smaller groups and deliberate things. Comfort. They're very comfort. We're extroverts are totally about thriving in things that are unpredictable. So when you take a personality test, and if you want to take one on my site, myakai.com, go to podcast resources. There's a personality test, about 130 questions. This is the lead dimension. This is the one that kind of drives kind of how everything else falls in place. And I'm gonna tell you something, you can't beat the test because it asks you different questions, different ways. So just when you think you've beat it, you haven't. So just take it and just be open-minded and answer accordingly and be okay with the answer that you get when you get it. It doesn't mean that it's hard and fast. And if you, if you hate the idea that you're introverted for whatever reason, then for whatever reason you decided you want to be extroverted, then go be that person. Remember, we're getting to the best version of ourselves. Or if you feel that your introversion has impacted you in some way that has kept you from being successful or who was one better. Sometimes being an extrovert can be a drawback. Because sometimes too much, too soon, too big in some situations doesn't work. So it's incumbent upon you to look at your relationship realms and say, okay, when I'm extroverted in this situation, I think it's really highly beneficial. But if I'm in a workspace where being an extrovert can be distractive and disturbing, maybe you need to learn how to dial it back. It doesn't mean not be you, but maybe you kind of have to dial back that energy that you're either pulling out or trying to pull in. Just a thought. Okay, so the another domain that is looked at is called sensing and intuitive or intuitive or intuition. And this is usually one of those areas that people hear more about intuition than sensing. And this is the one I'd be curious, tell me which one you think you are. So if you're a person who falls into the sensing realm, this is one of those people that are looked at as being more realistic. They like to focus on facts and details. Um, they apply more common sense, see, sensing, common, and people will think, isn't that intuitive? No, but we'll get to that. But they like to apply more common sense and their past experiences that 
to kind of lead them and be more practical in their solutions and, and, and problems. So that's the sensing side. Now, I know someone's saying that seems like that would be more intuition and intuitive. Ah, ah. So if you feel that's you, now listen to what intuitive or intuition is. On the flip side of that, people that are intuitive in nature, um, they prefer to focus on possibility and the big picture. Um, not so much the forest for the trees people. So the sensing people would be the people who see the trees. Not to say they don't get the big picture, but they see the trees and how the trees come together to make the forest. That's the sensing people. People who are intuitive, they like to focus on possibility and the big picture. Um, they look for patterns in things. Um, they see value in being you know, innovative and they see creative solutions to problems. So they're not fixed. Um, they'll say, well, we've got this issue here. Well, here's an option. It may seem a little kind of like out there, but it might work. So they kind of like to work with intuition. Um, so I know these two seem a little hard, but hopefully you can see the difference between the two, that sensing is more realistic, whereas intuitive is more about possibility, if that's a simpler way to kind of define those. So I'd be curious how some people feel they fall, they fall in that realm. Do you think you're more of a sensor or an intuitive person? Oddly enough, see, I always tell people it's a fine line. And you may feel like sometimes you can be a little bit both. I'm a little country. I'm a little bit rock and roll kind of thing. But you're one more than the other. I'm going to say I feel I'm more of a sensor, even though I think I'm very intuitive. I do. But I, how I approach a lot of things in my professional realm and private realm, to me, a lot of that approach is really more a sensor and sensing than it is being intuitive. So be curious where people think they fall there. That next realm, and you probably heard people refer to this, is that thinking and feeling dimension, which describes how people make decisions. So in that thinking, if you're a thinker versus a feeler, and I think this will be one that's more concrete and understanding for people, it's you tend to make decisions using more logical, analytical, objective. You know, I love objectivity. Um, you weigh pros and cons and things. Um, you value honesty and consistency and fairness in how you view things. Whereas people who more are feelers on the flip side in their decision-making process, um, they tend to be more sensitive and cooperative and they make decisions based on their own personal values. So there's a more objective piece to people who are feelers and their, their values and they'll kind of also allow how others feel and their actions impact their choices and decisions. So the easiest way to think about your thinkers and your feelers, thinkers are, are all driven by ob objectivity. I'm not seeing this from my worldview. I'm not taking my personal perspective on this. I'm stepping outside of it and I'm absolutely looking at facts. I'm seeing the three sides of the coin, not just my side to the story, where someone who's more of a feeler may they're, they're kind of rooted more in subjectivity. So their personal values, their personal view, and they're definitely impacted by how others may respond to their decisions. I'm a thinker. <laughs> I, I'm, I'm not, it doesn't mean that I don't by any means ever make a decision that's not based on my feelings, but it depends on what I'm making a decision about because um, all decisions in life are not created equal. So if you're really making a life-changing decision, this is where that 
putting that, pulling that objectivity tool we talked about, that's going to help you get to the best version of yourself. Learning to be objective is hard. I said, because in the process of harming objectivity, what did I say? You grow, you learn, you expand in your thinking, and you may take 10 steps forward in the progress you make from your, from the way you think and feel that emotion and thinking, and also you know, how you deal with things from your financial decision-making, you may make great strides. And then all of a sudden you get a curveball, like COVID-19 is a curveball for people. And you take about eight steps back. So you lost, you lost eight steps in your progress. But the thing about objectivity is it allows you to say, I just took eight steps back. Why did I take eight steps back? Okay. Let me get back to where I was. Understanding why you regress is important is why you did it. So just understand that objectivity, you're harnessing that tool, but it doesn't mean that there's going to be times where you're just going to be 100% objective. If we get in our feelings about things, let's be honest, our objectivity tends to fly out the window. That gets back to people, places, and things, and situations impact us. The minute you control how you think, remember, how you focus, your energy follows. So I talked about a long time ago, maybe in episode five, that we have preconceived notions about a lot of things in our lives based on past experiences or what we witness other people experience. And we tend to draw a conclusion that we store back in our minds about things. It's called implicit and explicit memory is what it is. Um, just like you can drive to work and be like, I don't remember how I got here. I got here though, same route every day. And then all of a sudden you realize there's road construction and you change your route because we learn by behavior and we, we form thoughts about what's best. So with that being said, our emotions are driven by preconceived notions we have about what's the right thing to do based on experience. I'm not saying that's wrong. That's natural. It's human. It's intuitive in a way to tell you the truth. But the key thing is understanding your emotion is driven by what you think and is what you're thinking. Is it clear? Is it concise? And is it objective? And when we often get into our feelings, that means we're allowing our, our emotions to drive our decisions. And that can be a good or a bad thing. It can be a good or a bad thing. But the key thing is, can you recognize that your thought and your decision-making is being driven by it? So this thinking feeling falls right into that realm of the thought, the cognitive side of how we function versus our emotional side of how we respond to how we think of things. Very, very interconnected. And when you understand how interconnected that they are is when you may start to make better decisions because you'll be like, oh, I just got right dead smack in my feelings. Now let me get right dead smack out my feelings because you can call it for what it is. Being able to call yourself out on your own stuff, that accountability and responsibility is huge. That is one of the biggest maturing points that people will ever make. When you stop saying, if so-and-so hadn't done that to me, I wouldn't have responded this way. You chose to respond that way, regardless to what so-and-so did. You always are in control of your own thoughts and feelings, even when people are trying to push you in the wrong direction. Think about that. So when you stop blaming other people for your poor choices is when you'll start making better choices because you realize you're relinquishing control of yourself because you're giving that control to somebody else, something that they never should actually have. Okay, so thinking and feeling, huge dimension, huge dimension. That final fourth dimension that's talked about with the Myers-Briggs and personality inventory is judging and perceiving. And the judging and perceiving dimension describes how people approach structures in their lives. So now you can kind of see how this works. I'll, I'll, I'll pop through these again. So structures in your life. So people who are judgers, and this is a big one. You'll probably start saying, I know someone just like that. You probably are thinking these in all these realms. I want you to think about you, not others. Because remember, we're not thinking about other people. We're thinking about ourselves and how we can get to those best versions of ourselves. So judgers, 
tend to be organized, prepared, and they like to make and stick to plans and are comfortable following most rules. They like structure when it's all said and done in their life. On the flip side, perceivers are people who prefer that their options are open. They're able to act spontaneously. Um, they're flexible in making plans. So when life throws them a curveball, they say, hmm, didn't see that coming. But since it's here and I can't push it back to where it came from, what can I do with it? One of the things I said that's huge to put into your toolbox, remember I said that comfort, control, and convenience, when you learn to be able to forfeit those at the proper time, it means you're learning how to be flexible. And learning how to be spontaneous is part of maturation. It's a process. When you can say, okay, the plan's just changed, opposed to getting upset and letting it kind of throw you into a tizzy, you should be asking yourself, okay, so the plan's changed. Do I have it within my control to change them back? And should I change them back because did they change for a reason? You should be asking proper questions about when situations shift on you, why did they shift? Look for the, the, the objectivity in that. Like, did they shift because it was a matter of necessity or did they shift because it was a matter of someone else controlling it? Um, and if they control it, how does that impact me? And do I have to roll with it? Or can I just choose to step back and do a different whole path? Looking at options. And that's, that's the difference with people who are perceivers, that flexibility piece. The minute you can learn to be more flexible in your life, you'll see a lot of greater success in things. And I'll tell you something else that will change exponentially for you is that when you learn to be more flexible, you will find you have less stress in your life. You know why? Because you say, okay, that's not exactly what I planned for. It's clearly not what I want. But at this moment, this is what I have to deal with. And I'm working my way to get back to where I'm trying to be. So when life throws you a curveball, when you get a challenge or an obstacle put in front of you, you should never look at it like it's insurmountable and you can't get through it or past it because you can. You have to step back. See, this is where all these personality traits come in. Step back. Stop looking at just the obstacle that's in front of you. Look at what's behind it. Can you get over it? And if you can get over it, what do you need to get over it? What tools do you need? What resources do you not have or do you have? They're going to make this doable. See, this is the heavy lifting point that people struggle with when they get challenged in their life. If it doesn't challenge you, not my saying, it doesn't change you. So let's revisit the four dimensions really quickly before we talk about how the Myers-Briggs personality test kind of puts them together. And we'll pick two that often people test at so you can understand how it, the test kind of decides what your personality traits are. So we talked about there's the four dimensions, introversion versus extroversion, sensing versus intuition, thinking versus feeling, and judging versus perceiving. So remember, the introversion versus extroversion is the dimension that describes how you manage your energy. I told you, energy is huge for me. Um, I started practicing Buddhism. I never tell people I'm a Buddhist because I don't think I have enough of the knowledge under my belt to say I'm a Buddhist. But I practice Buddhism because I love the art of meditation and focus and how it's about self-awareness and, and, and being a better version of yourself. It's got Buddhism is not a religion, it's a philosophy. And people always misunderstand that. And if you ever study the basic principles of Buddhism, you will say, oh, this makes sense in my personal growth because everything that Buddhism is challenging me to do is something that's going to put me in a better mental, emotional, financial, and physical space. Promise you. 
I meditate and reflect on things on a regular basis to get my mind right. Especially when I know something's about to challenge me, I carve out that time to meditate and to focus. So this piece is huge about energy. Like I said, I didn't do my show yesterday because I found out some really, some really disturbing news. And my energy was not in the right place to be able to do this show and to be focused. My focus was totally off. And I said, if I don't have the right energy, I'm not going to share it with the people who follow me because they value my opinion. And I want to make sure I'm in the right mental and emotional space when I deliver this. So my energy wasn't right. So I got it right today. I focused, redirected, and here I am. That next, event, that next dimension in sensing and intuition is that dimension that describes how you individually process information. These are all small things that people take for granted, but how you process situations in front of you happens without you thinking about it. And it's all usually based on legitimately how you perceive how things are unfolding. So remember, people that are sensing, they like to focus on facts and details. So you're looking for the nuances of the situation. Like, so the reason this didn't go right is because one, we didn't have this and we needed this. So that changed the outcome. Um, okay, so it could have been better if we had had it. Let's be honest, we talk about COVID-19. Um, had we had mommy maybe heeded the information that was coming to us from across the pond earlier, maybe we could have been better prepared. But then we find out that facts weren't shared properly through the World Health Organization to prepare the rest of the world. So see, a lack of fact and details at the tail end made us less prepared in our country. So facts and details are key in how you process them, whereas someone who's more in, in, intuitive, they work on possibilities. So they're going to be flexible and be like, okay, I um, didn't know that fact, but it doesn't mean that I can't act accordingly. So that's another dimension. Thinking and feeling, we spend a lot of time on that. Describes how pretty much you make a decision. Do you make it from your heart? Do you make it from your head? That's what it comes down to. Which one are you? And then judging and perceiving, we talked about is that dimension, that's how structure impacts the decisions that we make in our lives as well. Some people have the ability to um, work on options and be spontaneous and other people need to be organized and prepared because the minute something is thrown at them and they're not prepared, all of a sudden they fall into disarray. Oh my gosh, I didn't expect that 10 extra people were gonna show up and I don't know, they just fall apart. Whereas some people say, Ooh, didn't expect 10 extra people, but hey, it's 10 extra people. We could use that. That means we're doing something right. So they see the possibility and opportunity when something unexpected happens, opposed to seeing how it's a negative thing. I said this about COVID-19 a couple different times. There are lots of people during this pandemic that have literally thrived and, had, and saw opportunity and have seized it. Whereas other people literally fell apart and rightfully so, everyone's situation was different. But I will tell you the way that people processed what was happening and what resources and information was there, some people just took a totally different approach to it and it had everything to do with your personality of how you've managed this pandemic. I'm gonna tell you that. Your personality traits were huge in this. So we talked about the dimensions. So when you take the test, from each of those dimensions, based on how you answer the questions, it's going to, decide what kind of personality trait you have. So um, some of the questions that you actually get, and I wrote down a couple that it will ask you, so you can kind of get an idea. So it's gonna ask you 130 questions, similar questions, but different. So for instance, a couple of the questions might be, I try not to draw attention to myself. And then it will ask you to say, this is accurate, inaccurate, or doesn't apply, somewhat. So it lets you kind of decide, well, this is kind of sort of me. This is spot on, or no, that's not me at all. So it gives you three things to pick from based on the question. So you can say one of the questions is, I try not to draw attention to myself. Some people might say, well, 
somewhat. It depends on the situation. Maybe I need to draw attention to myself in certain situations. Um, I feel uncomfortable when I disagree with someone. I lose my belongings. Some people are forgetful and misplace things all the time. I'd be like, oh, spot on, it's me. I lose my keys like once a week. Oh, Jesus, that's me. Um, I have a vivid imagination. I would tell you it's accurate. Um, I'm such a sci-fi person and I have such a vivid imagination. I run away with things. I watch movies and go, you know, I create storylines and just different things I thought they could have done in movies because I have a very vivid imagination. I was like that as a child. Yes, I was one of those children that had an imaginary friend because I was only a child. So I would play by myself. And so because I played by myself for a long time, I created a really vivid imagination. My mother will tell you sad stories about me. And I'll, I have to share some things about me so you can laugh. Um, I used to go outside in the yard and get a whole bunch of rocks and <laughs> and put them in order and give them names and do different things, which at that point she realized that I had the ability. She, I think she knew a long time ago that I had public speaking skills because I would be outside just talking and doing all kind of stuff. And no, it wasn't mental illness. I was only a child and I was engaging myself in play. Um, you will learn in psychology that imaginary friends are not uncommon for children. Um, and I definitely, I didn't have as many imaginary friends as much as I would give inanimate objects like roles and I would run with it. I know, I swear I'm not crazy, but that was me as a child. Um, that, that's how I engaged until I got to school and then I got to school and I was a kid when my mom dropped me off at, well, I was a, I was a preschool dropout because I didn't, um, I was, I was walking at seven months. So I looked like a little doll running across a room. I was potty trained in less than a year. Um, I was an earlier achiever as a child. And I was an earlier achiever as a child, partially because I grew up around older cousins and aunts and uncles. And they tell you that that influences the child's development. So I was doing things earlier because I was around people that were older than me at times. And so I was eager to be able to interact and to communicate. So when I went to preschool, a lot of those kids didn't have the skill sets I had. And um, I was like, I'm bored. I want to nap. And so my mom let me be a preschool dropout. But when she took me to kindergarten, my mom was the one who was like, okay, I'll be back to get you, um, you know, at noon. I was like, yo, I'll catch you later. Bye. Boom. In the room, playing, engaged, because I was excited to interact with other children. So that's funny. You're like, Maya, you were, you were an extrovert. No, that was just because I was desperate to be with other children because I was bored. Um, as I grew up, that kind of changed a bit in regards to my eagerness to interact with other people. I, I still think I'm social, but I still feel I'm very introverted more than I'm extroverted. So. When I answer some of those questions, I, I think about when you're answering questions, legitimately think about what they're asking you, if you can apply situations. Um, other ones might be, I would enjoy attending a large party in my honor. Some people be like, hell no, I don't want people. Some people don't like attention. So they may say inaccurate. Um, for me, I don't know. It depends on what it is. I don't know that that would bother me. So I might say somewhat. Um, uh, I dislike being in competition with others. Inaccurate. I love competition. It drives me. The reason I've done successful in my, re my recent focus on being healthier is that I joined a weight loss challenge. And I love the fact that I have to weigh in on a weekly basis. I'm always trying to make sure I hit my goals. That challenges and pushes me. So I know that I like being in competition. It, it, it makes me, it really motivates me. Competition is a motivator for me. So that's a very strong, accurate for me. And another thing is I prefer to follow a schedule. See, for me, I'd say someone on that because um, I'm okay with the schedule, but if the schedule changes, I don't get all been out of shape about that. So where some people might be like, we were supposed to be doing this exactly at 10 o'clock. Like someone probably said, Maya, you were supposed to be here yesterday at 7.30. I'm sorry, something happened, I changed my schedule. I'm flexible like that, because I felt it was the right thing to do. But for other people who were expecting me, it might've thrown them off their square. I'm sorry, 
if I if I threw you off your square. That makes me feel really important. I highly doubt I threw anybody off their square. Okay, so that's some of the questions it's going to ask you on the Meyer Briggs personality test. Remember, go to mayakai.com, click on the podcast resource section, and then you can take the test. From there, it's going to score you based on either being introverted or extroverted first. Okay, and. Once it scores you, it's going to tell you there's 16 personality dimensions. Duty fulfiller is one, which means you're introverted, you're sensing, you're more intuitive. It, it takes all those dimensions based on how you answer the questions and it stacks them accordingly with introversion and extroversion leading. So you might be, for instance, a duty fulfiller. And for instance, that particular um, personality trait, let's, let's talk, I picked two out. Because I'm winding down, I said I would, I wouldn't, I wouldn't keep you long. Um, the duty fulfiller, for instance, is described as someone who is so they are introverted. They're sensing. Um, I need to make sure I don't, I don't confuse it. They are thinking and they're judgers. Okay, so that's how they they kind of shake out in regards to the different four dimensions. What those four dimensions align to describe is a person who is serious and quiet, interested in security and peaceful living. To be more thorough. Those people um, are extremely thorough. They're responsible and dependable. They have a well-developed power of concentration. They're usually very interested in supporting and promoting tradition and establishments. So those are the people right now who, when you say take down the statue of Columbus, are not feeling it. They're like, why are we removing tradition and it's established? Okay, I get that maybe it wasn't the right thing historically, but you can't change the past. They like structure like that. Um, but they're also very well organized and hardworking and they work steadily towards identified goals. So when they decided they're doing something and it's a goal they said mine, they stick with it and they usually accomplish it and that task because it's something they have set their mind to. So that's someone that falls into the, like I said, they're going to be <clears throat> introverted, they're sensors, they're thinkers and they're judgers. And this is what the personality thing scores out. And a lot of people tend to fall into be duty fulfillers. A large percentage of people do. Now, on the flip side, another type of personality type that a lot of people fall into is becoming nurturers. So a nurturer is someone is so for them, if you look at the four dimensions, they're an ISFJ. So remember, I talked about that means they are introverted. They are sensors. They're feelers. And they're also judges. A lot of people fall into this dimension, a high percentage of people. And these people are quiet, kind, and very conscientious. You can depend on them. They have big follow through. Other parts of their dimensions is they usually put the needs of others before their own. They're stable. They're practical. They value security and traditions. Um, they're well-developed sense of space and function. So they get how things are supposed to be organized, but they have a really rich inner world observation about people. They pay attention to what affects people. They, they, they really perceive pain and hurt in others, and they have an interest in serving other people. A lot of people fall into this nurturer realm as well, which is really interesting. There are 16 personality types. It takes these four dimensions and literally stacks them according to how you answer the questions. So you have um, the mechanic, that person is quiet and reserved and they're interested in how things and why things work. You have someone who's the artist, who is quiet and serious um, and sensitive and kind. They don't like conflict. You have the protector, a person who is quiet, 
forceful, original, and sensitive. There's 16 of these dimensions. So I'm not going to go through them all because, like I said, I'm going to stay in line. So James O'Bannon won't give me a hard time because I'm 38 minutes in. And I want to make sure I wrap this up and share what, what I generally fall in myself. I like to share a little bit about myself. Um, so go to mayakai.com. Go to podcast resource section. Go to episode eight. The link to take the test is there, as well as the descriptors of the 16 different personality types. So once you take the test, it's going to tell you what you are, and it's going to give you the description right there. So you don't have to look, read through them all of, the, of what I'm sharing with you. So for me, interesting enough, <laughs> though I legitimately always feel that I'm introverted, do you know? And this is why I said about being objective. I score very high. Both of my two, I've taken the type several times, and I always come out one or the other. I'm always extroverted. Isn't that funny? And I feel I'm more introverted. I really do. But according to the test on how I answer, I'm introverted. It's all except that I acknowledge that there's an introverted part of me. I think situation and people will determine it. I often, interesting or not, I come out as an as an as a visionary. And as a visionary, that's an ENTP, which means I'm extroverted, I'm a thinker, um, I am intuitive, and I am perceptive. So what that means for me as a visionary is that I'm creative and resourceful and I'm intellectually quick. This would be me. <laughs> I'm good at a broad range of things. Jesus, I am a jack of all trades. So when I, when I scored this, I was like, this is what I'm seeing. I enjoy debating issues. Yes, I like debating issues. Um, and maybe into one-upmanship. Maybe. If you watch Sean and Maya in the morning, I might be on one-upmanship. Maybe, depending on the situation. Um, I get very excited about new ideals and projects, but, but I may neglect the routine things in my life. Yes, this is very true about me at times. And I've acknowledged that. Generally, I'm outspoken and assertive. I would say this is true. And I enjoy people and stimulating conversation. And this is why I would say the extroverted piece fits for me because if it's the right people, I am like very open and just verbose. I have groups of friends that will tell you I'm introverted and a whole other group that will be like, Maya, no. I'm outgoing and I'm very verbose in certain groups of people because those people bring that out in my personality. But the thing is, I have an excellent ability to understand concepts and to apply logic to find solutions. When I read this description of myself, I started to say, I really do feel introverted because during COVID-19 and this pandemic, the time that I had to spend alone didn't bother me. I guess that means I enjoy my own company. But when I read that description of what a visionary is, I said, that is me 150%. Now, on the other hand of it, I have actually also scored an, as an inspirer, which is an ENTP, which means I'm introverted, I'm intuitive, um, I'm a feeler, but I'm also um, a perceiver. I was like, boy, I can, I can reach into these domains, which are interesting. I would also tell you this. I took the personality type at two different times in my life, and I can honestly tell you that I think the growth point is different. So the first time I took it, I was actually this one, the inspirer. About 10 years later when I took it is when I came out as a visionary. And I would tell you in 10 years, I had a lot of personal growth. I had gone through a divorce. I had loss in my family. I'd had some personal issues. I had really matured. So I can see how I turned into a visionary. But what an inspirer is, is I'm enthusiastic, idealistic, and creative. I was like, yeah, that's pretty much me. I'm able to do almost anything that interests me. I have great people skills. I need to live life in accordance with my inner values. I, I'm excited about new ideas, but bored with details. See, these are very similar in, in, in their outcomes. I'm open-minded, flexible, 
and have a broad range of interests and abilities. So for me, the two times I scored are very similar, but I will tell you the visionary really fleshed out and I could see my personal growth points. So I will tell you that if you take this now, it could have been totally different if you take it 10 years from now, similarities. So the two things I scored as made sense to me, because I will tell you, I'm an extra revote based on what the personality test said, though I still kind of feel I'm introverted. But I also feel it's about people, places, and things tend to bring out certain parts of my personality. And I think most people would say they feel that way. All right, everybody, we are 43 minutes in. Go figure, which means it's time for me to wrap it up. Um, remember, you can always find um, my podcast at myakai.com. Of course, you can always, always, if you have a podcast platform that you prefer, that's okay. I'm on iTunes, Google, as well as iHeartRadio. Just put in Maya, My Ambition, Your Ambition, and then you can listen to my podcast there as well. Um, of course, like I said, everything myakai.com. If you want the resources tied to this particular podcast, make sure you go to my website, click on the podcast resource link, take the test. Out of everything I've offered, I think you will enjoy this one more than the um, attachment styles, which could be a little like kind of overwhelming to have to reflect on your past. This is purely about situations and circumstances. So it's a lot easier. It's fun. And I guarantee you, you will gain insight into this. All right, everybody. I'm going to stay true to this. I'm heading out. Happy Friday. Hope you're baseball people. I got my White Sox jersey on, so more baseball to watch. Um, it's National Tequila Day, so if you happen to be a tequila person, raise one up. Um, I will see you next Thursday for Episode 9 at 8 p.m. right here. Of course, Amaya Kai presents and the Sports Chica as well. So make sure you guys follow me on Facebook and Twitter, which is all in the information right here in the closing of my show. Ciao. Get inspired. Get motivated with Maya Akai and the Maya, My Ambition, Your Ambition podcast. Something that I take pride in is trying to be forward thinking, thinking outside the box, challenging myself. And as I challenge myself, hopefully I challenge you. Find Maya on Twitter and Instagram at Maya underscore Akai. On Facebook at Maya Akai Presents. We're going to talk health, wealth, fitness, mental health, financial, lots of different things that can empower you as you seek out the ambition that you're pursuing. Or get everything Maya at MayaAkai.com. You feeling stuck lately? En JCPenney celebramos Black Friday en julio. Sí, en julio. De jueves a domingo aprovecha miles de artículos en oferta, como selección de ropa Exertion para todos desde $7.99 y selección de shorts para jovencitas desde $16.99. Además, toallas Home Expressions a $4.99 y ahorra 25% extra con tu cupón. También tenemos servicio de entrega a tu auto sin contacto. Aprovecha estos ahorros que están que arden. JCPenney. Ofertas válidas del 23 al 26 de julio. Aplican exclusiones. Detalles en la tienda o jcp.com.